Well, good morning. It is good to be in worship with you today. Today's a special day for a lot of reasons. Uh, yeah, I know last week we had a family fest and there was a circus outside and all of that. But uh, today is a special day because it's October 1. And that's the day when we are launching the plant uh, journals, the plant groups. Some of you, in fact, dozens of you have already been purchasing those. Today's the day we begin. And I really want to encourage you to join with the rest of us if you haven't yet, uh, simply because the plant journal is a design to be able to help you grow spiritually, to help you with your daily time with God. Uh, the, actually, the word plant means prepare, then it means lean into God's word, then analyze God's word, then decide on what next steps you need to take because of what you've read in God's word, and then take those steps. And so I want to encourage you, families, um, we've actually created a part of this so that you can use it with your children, elementary age children, uh, even children who do not yet read. And so this can be something you use for your family devotions for the next 60 days. Uh, it can also be something if you're not married, if you're single, uh, this is something you can use individually uh, in your life. Or if, if you want to join one of our plant groups, we have groups that are meeting um, on Sunday mornings, groups that are meeting on Wednesday nights, groups that are meeting other times of the week. And so I want to encourage you uh, to be a part over the next 60 days of that. And today's the day we launch, so it's a special day. Today is also a special day because October 1 is the beginning of the second half of our financial year at a church. And uh, every year on this time, I, I take the opportunity to remind you uh, that just like daily devotions are a spiritual discipline, uh, stewarding the resources you have, uh, the money, the property, all the things that the talent, the skills that you have, stewarding what God has given you is also a spiritual discipline that trains your soul as you live in connection to Jesus Christ. And so I, every year I kind of look forward to that first Sunday in October where I can say to you, hey, listen, the first six months of our financial year, those have already, those have already passed. And so I want to ask you two things. Number one, if you're a guest here today, I just want you to know I'm really not talking to you. You're always welcome to give, but there's no expectation. But if Eastside is your church home, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you to, to launch into learning what it means to, to be a steward of all that God gives you. And I want to invite you to join my wife Becky and I in, in what we believe to be a biblical stewardship where, where we take 10%, that, that's $10 out of every hundred, uh, not $1 out of every hundred, but, or $10, you know, but $10 out of every hundred uh, and, and that we make and place that back into the ministry here at Eastside Church. Any giving we do beyond Eastside Church is above 10%. And so that's, that's an offering that we give. But stewarding what we give is what we do to support the ministry of this place. So whether you make $50 a week or $5,000 a week, the principle is still the same. To take this opportunity to grow in training your soul, doing a soul training exercise through stewardship. So if Eastside's your church home, uh, as you shift to the new Church Center app, one of the things it's going to give you is immediate access to your giving record uh, for the last for the entire year. That should happen automatically. So I'm going to ask those of you that you are regular givers during this next week as you download the new app. I'm going to ask you to check the give portion. It'll say my giving. There will be a button there after you get all registered, and it should show you what you've given over the last six months. And I'm going to ask you to go back and check and just make sure 
that you're being a steward of all that God has given you financially as well as with your time and your talent and those types of things. So today's a special day. And that doesn't even count the fact that tonight we're going to have a very special time. I had the privilege of, of sitting. The, the, uh, the worship night Thursday night was a women's event. And they allowed me, because I'm married to Becky, uh, to show up and, uh, and to be a part of it and to sit in the back. I was not allowed to be on the front row. I was allowed. It's a women's event, right? And so I, I sat in the back and I watched and I, and I worshiped uh, and just I wanted, want to invite you tonight to come and join us at 6 o'clock. Now, would you pray with me? God, thank you for special days, for days that mark passages in time for days that remind us exactly how much you love us. I thank you for Eastside Church. I thank you for the people here, whether they're on campus or online, or even later this week on demand, for the way you use this place to impact lives both here and around the world. And Lord, as we launch into this plant series, as we, as we look at the next 60 days, training our souls to be able to listen to you, I pray for every person who's involved whether they're doing this as a family unit, whether they're doing it in a small group, or even those who are, who are doing this just for their individual spiritual growth. I pray that you would help all of us in this time frame to be the people you've called us to be, to grow into who you want us to be. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. One of the things I love about the scriptures is that in the scriptures... God uses people to speak truth that actually flips the script on most of the world. And as we're looking at this letter that Paul wrote to a group of people in Philippi that's in your New Testament called Philippians, and we're pulling out of it the, the, the details and the characteristics of what it means to build a healthy life, to build a life that goes beyond our self-centeredness, that goes beyond just doing everything for ourselves. There's a, there's a place in this letter that is, that is a, just a beautiful example of God using the Apostle Paul to flip the script on a group of people. In order to understand that, you have to, you have to understand a concept. Um, the, 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 the flip of the script comes in chapter 3, verse 2, and, and I'm going to read it for you in just a minute. But, but what you have to understand in order to understand the flip of the script is you have to understand the culture. See, what was going on, two things. One is that, is that when Paul would go into a place like Philippi and he would tell people like Lydia the purple seller or the jailer who was there when, when the, the jail cells came open in the earthquake and, and Paul and Silas stayed instead of running away and he knelt down in front of them and said, hey, how can I be like you guys? How can I find this kind of character? How can I find this, this kind of ethos in my life? How, how can I be saved through Jesus Christ? And they began to tell him, believe in Jesus. And Jesus, when, when that would happen, after Paul would leave the town, there was another group of people who would come behind them. Pastor Kayla mentioned them to you a few weeks ago when she was talking about the humility of Christ and the humility that's called into our lives. These people, these people would come behind, and here's what they would do. They would say, it's not enough for you to accept Jesus. It's not enough for you to let Jesus forgive you of your sins and, and make you a new person. No, listen, if you really want to know Jesus, if you really want to know God, if you really want to follow Yahweh, then what you've got to do is you, you've got, to, you, you've got to, to become a Jewish person in addition to following Jesus. So what you've got to do is, men, you've got to be circumcised. 
Uh, men and women, you've got to follow the Old Testament dietary laws. Uh, men and women, you, you, you've got to, to follow the Ten Commandments and the Torah and the Pentateuch. And you've got to live your life as a Jew in order to accept the Messiah. They were referred to as Judaizers. And, and, and the Apostle Paul, is when he writes back to places like Philippi, he writes back and he says, no, no, these guys, these guys are wrong. It's through faith in Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. You don't, have to, you don't have to just embrace religious traditions. So that's the first thing you have to understand is going on. So one of the motives for Paul writing this letter is to write back to people and say, hey, listen, it's really about faith in Jesus, not about your religious tradition. Then the second thing that happens is this. In the first century, and actually even before, Jewish people, the Hebrew nation, they, they, they referred to people who weren't spiritual, people who were spiritually unclean as dogs. Now, I know culturally the term dogs, I mean, I mean right now we live in a, in, a, in, a, in a culture where if someone's the goat, they're the greatest of all time, right? And, and, and I, I can remember when being a dog meant you were bad, all right? And I, I had coaches who would tell us when we were doing training, they, they would say, you're dogging it. You're not, you're not doing it well enough. And, and then we kind of moved into the thing where if somebody's really good, athletes, you guys know that, they're, they're the dog, man. They're a dog. They, they, somebody says that's a dog. That, that's a compliment because if you run with the big dogs, right? You got it. I used to have a... a, a Burger King used to had a campaign going on about dogs, and they, they had a cup that I, I remember getting a, a large drink, and it came with this cup that said, if you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch, all right? And, and, and the, whole, the whole idea was that, that, that being a dog's a good thing. Well, it, it, listen, in the first century, in a Jewish culture, it, it wasn't. In fact, biblically, there, there's this whole history of, of the term dogs being used to talk about people who are spiritually unclean. And in fact, you go back and, and you read Psalm 22, and David, the psalmist, King David, the shepherd boy who killed the Goliath and all that, he actually writes about the dogs that are surrounding him. And it's not a compliment. And then Isaiah the prophet, in Isaiah 56, he talks about the dogs that are surrounding him. And even Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, he says, don't throw your good stuff before dogs. Uh, the, the term dog was the derogatory term for people who were unclean spiritually. And it's the term Jewish people and these Judaizers who were coming behind Paul would use to talk about Gentiles people who weren't from their religious tradition. And so listen as I read for you from Philippians. I'm just going to read Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. I want you to listen to what Paul says because he flips the script. He's writing about people who call other people dogs because they're, they're spiritually unclean. So they're basically saying, I'm better than you. I, I, I'm, I'm holier than you. I, I know more about God than you. And so when he does that, when they say that to these people, Paul writes back. Now he's talking about the Judaizers. He's talking about the people who think they're better than everybody else. Listen to what he says. Finally, my dear friends, be glad that you belong to the Lord. It doesn't bother me to write the same things to you that I've already written. In fact, it's for your own good. Here it is, verse, verse 2. Watch out for those people who behave like dogs. They are evil and want to do more than just circumcise you. But we are the ones who are truly circumcised 
because we worship by the power of God's spirit and take pride in Christ Jesus. We don't brag about what we have done, although I could. Paul is saying to them, listen, these people who come around and they emphasize the religious traditions, they don't understand how to build a life. They don't understand how to build a life of value, of a life of humility, a life of perspective, a life of joy. Because you only build those things through a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, if you really want to build a life of value, then you have to value a relationship with Jesus over the religious rituals. You have to value a relationship with Jesus over the religious traditions, over all the rituals of religion. And so when Paul says, he flips the script and says, listen, watch out for those dogs. The people who call you dogs are actually dogs. The people who call you spiritually unclean are actually spiritually unclean because they don't value a relationship with Jesus, they value their tradition, they value their heritage, they value the things they have created and their ancestors have created more than what God has done. And so this morning, I, I, just, I just wanted us to think for a few minutes about what does it really mean to value a relationship with Jesus and not be a dog not be spiritually unclean, not be a traditionalist, not be a ritualist, but instead to be someone who lives in a relationship with Jesus so that we would really understand what Paul's saying. Watch out for those people who behave like dogs. They are evil and they want to do more than just circumcise you, but we are the ones who are truly circumcised because we worship by the power of God's spirit and we take pride not in ourselves and not in our heritage, not in our anything else, but in Christ Jesus. A long time ago, in the mid-80s, a pastor from western New York, from Buffalo, actually, from St. John's Baptist Church in Buffalo, New York. His name was Dr. Reverend Bennett, Reverend Dr. Bennett W. Smith. And Bennett Smith was a, a national civil rights leader, and he was a powerful preacher. In fact, his, his sermons were actually shown on TV. And he preached a sermon one Sunday called Watch Them Dogs. And, um, and in fact, if you want to go on YouTube, I'd recommend this week. It'll take you about 45 minutes. It's a 45-minute sermon. But because it was on television, someone has uploaded it to YouTube. And if you will go to YouTube and just put in Watch Them Dogs, Bennett Smith, you, you'll hear, now the, the picture's fuzzy and gray and all of that because it was not the technology of today. But, but it's a, a sermon about the kinds of people that you meet. And in that sermon, he, he began to take this concept of, of dogs because in the Bible, it, it's often the case that animals are used as imagery for things. For instance, remember that Jesus re, was referred to as the Lamb of God. The, the hum, humility and humbleness of a lamb. Or in other places, he has the power of the lion of Judah. Or when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and, and he called them, you brood of vipers. <laughs> a snake is not a good thing, right? <laughs> vipers are not, are not a good thing. 
or any of the places where, where in Scripture um, animals are used to kind of talk about the characteristics that people have. So what Bennett Smith did was he, he began to look at different types of dogs. Now, I, I want you to know, if you're a cat person, this is not your day to go off on the dog people, all right? And if you're a dog person, I really don't want to, like, offend you or anything like that. But, but I, 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 I wrote down a few of the things because Dr. Smith went through this entire I mean, he got like a dozen, a dozen and a half different types of dog. Now, for those of you, he's not talking about whether it's a poodle or whether it's a beagle, all right? He's not talking about whether, you know, what kind of, he's talking about the, the spiritual connection between the activities of certain dogs and the way people in our culture act. So his first one was that some people, some people act like an alley dog. They're always digging in the garbage, they're always looking in for the worst of things. They're always trying to find dirt on somebody. That, that some, people, some people are just an alley dog, and they're always looking for garbage on somebody else. If you don't believe that, go to Twitter, all right? There are people who are, there are, people who are always looking for the bad. Then there are, there are some people, they're like town they're town dogs. They're not. They're, they're they're dogs. They live in a house. You know. They they got a yard. They've got their space. Everything's taken care of for them. And and basically they'll just do whatever anybody else is doing. They they just sooner do one thing as another. And and oftentimes they just spend all day just kind of laying on the porch. But then but then something will hit them for some reason. And and for out of no nowhere they just start barking. And then when they start barking, they get everybody else in, in the neighborhood. All the other dogs start barking. There are some folks who are like that, y'all. They just sit around, and then they see something, and, and then they just decide, well, I'm just going to sound off about that. And then they get everybody else all up in a roar. There are some people who are mad dogs. They are mad about everything. Have you ever sat down next to somebody, and you can just see they are mad from the way they sit in a chair? I, I remember going to a to a concert one time and, and there was a person who was sitting there and, and they were just like all frustrated and angry and I mean snapping at the person with them and, and the, the lighting was bad and the band was bad and the singers were bad and, and they just, and they didn't like anything and, I'm, and I, honestly, I got up and moved because <laughs> like, who wants to be, because here's the deal, they want you to be mad just like them. And there are some folks that you're going to meet at school. There's some folks you're going to meet at jobs. There are going to be some folks you meet in a church who are just mad. And they're always mad about something. And they're always finding something else. They're just mad. And some of them, I, I almost resent this because I, I grew up in Mississippi. And, and my, a lot of my friends went to Mississippi State. And they're the Mississippi State Bulldogs. My high school was named the Bulldogs. But I have to tell you, there are some folks in the world who are just bulldogs. And they're going to bully their way through. And they're going to try to force their opinion on you. And they're going to, they're going to do, and, that, and, and they're proud. They're proud of their stubbornness. Because they come in and they're like, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm just, I'm, okay, have you ever tried to move a bulldog? I mean, bulldogs are just like, they're squat and to the ground. And when they lock those legs, and the only thing you can do is pick them up. But they're so heavy, you can't hardly pick them up. And what Dr. Dr. Smith was saying to us is, look, there are some people in the world around us who act like bulldogs. They're just always saying, I'm upset, I'm mad, you need to help me, or I'm not afraid of you, and I want my way in it. Now, there's some, there's some other dogs, though. They're, they're bird dogs. In fact, there's two kinds of bird dogs. There are pointers and there are sitters. 
I mean, Dr. Smith grew up in Alabama, so he and I have this kind of familiarity with it. So if you've ever seen bird dogs, I mean, having a good bird dog is a really big thing where I'm from. If you got a good bird dog, a good bird dog will go find you. You take them out and, and you let that dog run, and that dog will find the birds for you. Now, here's the deal. A pointer never kills anything. A bird dog that's a pointer, that dog will find the birds. In fact, a really trained one will actually stop. And they have this certain stance that they will get. And their tail will all straighten out. And they, they know exactly where the birds are. And they go and they see those birds and they sit there. Now, they're never going to kill a bird. That's not their job. Their job is to show the hunter where the bird There are some folks who are never going to get their hands dirty talking about anybody else. But they'll point out everybody else's sin. Judas was a bird dog. Don't you remember? He was a, he was a pointer. He said to the guards, hey, listen, the one I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Judas wasn't going to do it himself, but he was going to point it out. There are some folks in your world, some folks in our culture, some folks who think it's their job to straighten out the entire world and to point out everybody else's failure, but they're never going to get in on it. They're just going to tell people where they're wrong. And they're another kind of bird dogs. They're called sitters. And, and, and sitters, they... They just want to sit on every good idea. They, they just want to come out and they just want to say, hey, you know what? I, 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 can, we, can we just think on that for a little while? Or can we, can we, can we pray about that for a little while? Can we, need, we need to process that before we do anything with it. No, no, listen. You and I are called to live in a relationship with God through his his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of his Holy Spirit at work in us. And when we do that, we are called not to be mad, not to be bullies, not to be garbage diggers, not to be people who just howl at the moon or bark at what's going on. We're called to be the sons and daughters of God. We're called, we're called to move beyond for lack of a better term, the, the dog spirit. And not to let ourselves get wrapped up in, in that kind of uncleanness. And what Paul's done is he's flipped the script on these people. And he said, listen, these, the, the, these people are calling you dogs. They're calling you unfit, un, unclean. But the reality is through their attitudes. And, and it's not just the kind of, these kind of dogs. No, there, there's, there, there's also another kind of dog. There's a, there's a chow dog. Uh, anybody ever have a chow dog? Chow dog has a black tongue. And when a chow dog is, is young, it's playful. Uh, we used to have, in fact, we had two chows over the years. We loved them. They were so beautiful. And when they were puppies, man, they were just like a big bundle of fur, and you could play with them, and it was wonderful. And my boys would play with them, and they were good. But, but, then, but then as they grow, they're treacherous. Because the same child dog that as a puppy will play with you as an adult will bite you hard. They will bite the hand of their master every time. In fact, the last child dog we had uh, was, a, was a child dog that had a black tongue but also had a black coat. And it loved to get off of its, uh, off its leash and out of the fence and run the neighborhood. I cannot tell you how many times I've run through the neighborhood chasing this dog. <laughs> the neighbors got to know, oh, the Robinson's dog's out again, you know. 
And then, and then there was that one day when I figured out, do you know what would happen if I didn't chase that dog? It'd come home. It'd come back where the food was. And, and, and so I finally was like, well, just let him run. He'll come home. Well, that came in really handy one night when a group of teenagers from this church decided that they were going to toilet paper the pastor's house. Because what they didn't know was that I had a child dog who was very territorial and protective. What they didn't know was that the child dog had gotten out earlier that day and had run all around and we'd just let the dog, we were waiting for the dog to come home. And that black-coated dog with that black tongue was sitting in the black darkness between my house and the neighbor's house when a half dozen or so east side teenagers rolled up. Actually, they rolled their truck down about four houses and then they sneaked up. And when they didn't know the dog was there, and, 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 and so they're starting to pull. Now, I, I need you to know, I know exactly how much toilet paper they had. I know exactly how, how bad this was going to be if that child dog had not come rolling around the corner barking like I'll get out. Because the first thing I heard was the barking. And then I ran out, and the second thing I heard was one of those young men yelling to another one, go start the truck, go start the truck. And I see them all running down the street, and they left their whole bag of several dozen rolls of toilet paper in a gym bag with their name on it. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? So I just waited. It was a Friday night. I waited till Sunday morning when they came in church, walked over to them, handed them the bag, <laughs> said, here, you, you left this at my house the other night. Oh, uh, 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 how, how you know that's us? I'm turning around. Here's your name. <laughs> Here you go. See, what Paul's talking about when he says watch them dogs is he's saying, listen, watch out for people who can be treacherous to you. Watch out for people who are always angry. Watch out for people who, are, who, are, who can't be trusted. Watch out for people who want to bully through folks. Watch out for people who are always wanting to point out everybody else's mistake. Because that's not the spirit of Christ. Instead, he says, listen, you, you understand that we worship through the power of the Holy Spirit. We worship Jesus Christ because of what he's trying to do in our life. We, we value this relationship with Jesus more than we value the traditions and the religious systems. And so what I, I want to invite you to do is to think for just a minute about what it would look like in your life. If you valued Jesus so much that when you valued him, um, you valued him more than your accomplishments. Because that's exactly what Paul does. Paul says, you know what? These, these Judaizers, these people who are really acting like dogs when they're calling you dogs, they are, they are so proud of their background. They are so proud of their heritage. They're so proud of their accomplishments. But the fact is, Paul says, look, that's not what you're supposed to be proud of. What you're supposed to be proud of is your relationship with Jesus Christ and the humility and the spirit of God at work in your life. So he, he says it to him like this. We don't brag about what we've done, although I could. He said, others may brag about themselves, but I have more reason to brag than anyone else. I was circumcised when I was eight years old, or eight days old. I'm from the nation of Israel. 
and the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a true Hebrew. As a Pharisee, I strictly obeyed the law of Moses. And I was so eager, I even made trouble for the church, for Christians. You remember that part of, of Paul's life? I did everything the law demands in order to please God. But Christ has shown me that what I once thought was valuable is worthless. I always get amazed at that, at, at translators trying to translate that word worthless. Some will, some will call it garbage. We'll see that in a minute because it's repeated here. Some will, some will call it dung. Some, some, some will call it manure. But the bottom line is, what Paul is saying is, look, if I'm following Jesus, Jesus is more important to me than anything else and anything I've ever accomplished. Uh, several years back, uh, I became a part of a group of pastors from around the country. Um, we were all about the same age. We were in our late 30s, early 40s. And our churches were growing beyond what we had been prepared and trained to do. And so we began to get together to, to once a year. We'd spend two or three days together, pray for each other, um, find resources, talk about what we might want to do and what God want, would want to do and how God was at work. And, and in one of those, we, we always had some, some older ministers who were with us to kind of keep us in line, keep us in track. But we learned a lot of, about life from, from each other and, and from some of those older ministers. Sometimes we learned what to do. Sometimes we learned what not to do. But for instance, one year we were talking about something and, and there was one of the older guys one of the older guys who was like older than my father. And he was there and, and, and he, he said, you know, I think our group needs to go to this particular town and, and there's a pastor there. He's been the pastor of this church for 50 years. He started it in his 20s. He's, he's, he's now almost 80. And, and I just think you guys, I mean, he's a good friend of mine. He and I have spent lots of time together. We serve on this board together, and, and we know each other. And I'll call him, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll set this up. And so we were all like, well, sure, fine. If we can learn from him, that's great. And so we, we have arrangements for the next year, and we get all the communication, and we make the hotel reservations, and, and we get to this place, and we go to visit this church. And this guy was great. He, he exactly described him perfectly. He was, he was wise. He was gentle. He was. He has so much information, and and we're all just like just learning so much, like a sponge, just soaking it up. And, and then, but we kept noticing that the guy who said he was like friends with this guy, that um, that just didn't really seem to be that kind of connection like friends would have. And so, as we're taking a tour of this this elderly gentleman's church that he's pastored for 50 years, and God is blessed in amazing ways, and. And this elderly guy is taking us through, and 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 he and and we got in one spot, and I got I got wrapped up in a conversation with a friend as we were looking at something, and and so the rest of the group got ahead of us, and 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 the the host pastor was so gentle and nice, and he's just standing there holding the door, and finally he said, uh, "Fellas, you probably need to catch up with the rest of the group," and we're like, "Okay," and so as we come through the door, he he shuts the door, and he says, "Hey, by the way, can I ask you guys a question?" He said, sure. He goes, that real tall, skinny guy that acts like he's my best friend and that he knows me, what's his name? I don't know I've ever met him before in my life. And my buddy and I looked at each other like, oh, 
let's learn a lesson here. Let's, let's, not, let's not brag about who we think we know. Let, let's just be who God has made us to be. See, Paul says to these people in Philippi, these Judaizers, these, these legalists, these ritualists who are coming behind me, you know, I've got as much reason to brag as they do. I know, I know as much or more than they know, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, instead, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to count everything that I've accomplished as nothing. I, I'm going I'm to count everything that I've ever done in my own power as nothing. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to value Jesus more than everything else. I'm going to value Jesus more than all my traditions, more than all my accomplishments, more than all of my dreams, more than all that. I'm, I'm going to live my life, this life of humility and joy and perspective. I'm going to live this life of impact in this connection to Jesus so that, so that everything else falls by the wayside. I mean, look, nothing, I love this phrase. I love this translation from the contemporary English version. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I've given up everything else. And I count it all, there's that word again, as garbage. All I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. I could not make myself acceptable to God by obeying the law of Moses. God accepted me simply because of my faith in Jesus Christ. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him to life. I want to suffer and die as he did so that somehow I also may be raised to life. You want to talk about a, an aspiration? You want to talk about a goal for your life? You want to talk about how to build a life? What if you built a life the way Jesus built a life? Because that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, it's not about my accomplishments. It's not about these rules. It's not about these regulations. It's about my relationship with Jesus. And what I want to learn from Jesus is, Jesus, how, how do you do that? How do you, how do you leave what it means to be the creator of the world and speak the world into being, to become humble enough to die for somebody else? And not just to die, but to actually humble yourself to the point that you die on a cross. A criminal's death. How does that happen? Jesus, what I want to know is this. All the rest of this stuff, it's not worth anything if I can figure out how I can live connected to you. Because, my friends, that's the core value. That's the value of life is to be connected to God. Why? Because everything else you experience, the religious rituals, the accomplishments, all the things in this world, they will all pass away. But the only thing that remains, the only thing that will last forever are the word of God, Jesus Christ, and the people of God, the followers of Jesus. Because those are the people who live. And so what, what Paul's saying is, look, watch them dogs. Watch those bad attitudes that try to creep into your life. Watch those people who try to impact you negatively. Watch, watch out for those unclean spirits and people who possess them and share them. 
Separate yourself from them. Watch out from them. Don't, don't hate them. Don't be mean to them. Just don't let them contaminate you. Instead, you seek this spirit of grace. You speak the spirit of Christ. You seek what it means to be so connected to him that you know the power that resurrected him from the grave. Jesus spent his life trying to tell that to his disciples. So much so that, as I told you a few weeks ago, Three different times on his way up to Jerusalem for Passover, before he was crucified, he said to the disciples, hey, listen, when we get to Jerusalem, they're going to they're gonna falsely accuse me of some stuff. But when we get to Jerusalem, they're going to arrest me. When, when we get to Jerusalem, they're going to beat me. They're going to whip me. They're going to put me on trial, and they're, they're going to convict me wrongly. And then they're going to take me, and they're going to put me on a cross, and they're going to kill me. I'm going to die. In fact, at one point he says, and that's when, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Three different times he said to the disciples, this is what's going to happen. And then it happened. And some of them still couldn't believe it was happening. In fact, even the closest ones to him, like Peter, who wanted to take a sword and defend Jesus when, the, when Judas was a pointer and pointed Jesus out. Even then, even then they were not understanding everything. But on that night, before Judas pointed him out, they gathered in the upper room a place that had been prepared for them to remember the Passover meal, a meal that they had shared as children of Israel for their entire life, a, a meal that they knew the history involved in every part of the meal. They knew the ritual. And what they would do is they, they, they would follow that every year to remember how God was faithful to to save their people from oppression in Egypt. And so here they are gathered in this room and they're eating the meal. And they got to the place where they broke the unleavened bread. And for years, for their entire life, they'd been taught that this bread, this is a reminder that, that in Egypt when God was telling us that we were going to leave, he told us to make bread so that we would have bread for the trip and to make it unleavened so it would last longer and not go bad. And, and we could take that unleavened bread and, and we could take it with us on the trip. And then when we got across the, the Red Sea after it parted and led us through, and then it came back in on Pharaoh's army and we're suddenly in the desert and, and then the bread runs out and we're all wondering what in the world's gonna happen? How are we gonna make it? And God brings bread from heaven called manna. That's what they were thinking about sitting at the table breaking the bread. But Jesus, Jesus was thinking about something else. He was thinking about the fact that his body was now a symbol of the bread of heaven. So he says to them, hey, listen. Tomorrow, they're going to 
I'm going to tell you again, they're going to put my body on a cross and I'm going to die. But that body of mine, that's symbolized in that bread because I am the bread of life. So every time you eat this bread, I want you to remember that the God of the universe who made you, who knows you, who understands you better than anybody else understands you, was willing to come and humble himself and die for you. So that every beating that I take tomorrow, every bruise that I encounter, everything that, that happens to me, when you, when you eat this bread, I want you to know it's a symbol of how much I love you and then they came to, to one of the cups. There were several cups there. They came to the one that, that normally was a, a reminder that the same God who saved their people from Egypt would now, through the Messiah, save them from their sins and redeem the world. And Jesus, when he gets to that cup of salvation, he looks at them and says, hey, listen, just like that bread should remind you that I loved you enough to become flesh and dwell among you, this cup, the color of the contents, it, it should remind you of just what it cost for you to be forgiven. It should remind you of the blood that is going to pour down from my body as I die for you. So every time you drink this cup, I want you to remember. Because when you remember what I did for you, you will count everything you've accomplished as garbage. When you remember what I did for you, you will listen to the yapping of the dogs and understand that's not the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit of the enemy. And every time you drink this cup and eat this bread, I want you to remember how much I love you. Today is October 1st. It's a special day. Many of us are beginning a journey into learning the spiritual discipline of daily devotion. Many of us are, are living out the soul training of what it means to steward our resources. But all of us have an opportunity right now, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, to remember what he has done. Because October 1st this year, is the first Sunday in the month. And here at Eastside, on the first Sunday of the month, we remember who Jesus is and what he did for us. So if you're with us in the online community, Pastor Preston's already given you instructions on preparing for this moment. I hope you've done so. If you're with us in the on-campus community, then, then I invite you in just a moment if you're a follower of Jesus, no matter where your church membership is, if 
you're a follower of Jesus and you're here on campus today, you are welcome at his table. We're going to give you two opportunities. You can choose how you'd like to participate. Some of our staff are going to come here to the front, and we have bread and cup prepared. And if you would like to come and take the bread and the cup, kneel at an altar to pray, or return to your seat, then you feel free to do that. If you're just not quite comfortable doing that, in every chair in this room, and in every pew in the balcony, there are cups and bread prepared for you. And you are welcome to come before God, to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, today I remember. Today, I'm going to watch out for those dogs that try to take my life away. And I'm going to follow you, Jesus. You're on campus. Would you stand? The table of Christ is prepared, and you have been invited. Come, take, and eat. Darkness veils his lovely face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid 
in his righteousness alone for blessed to stand before the throne on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking Would you pray with me? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you loved us enough to send your one and only Son. Jesus, thank you that you loved us enough, as the songwriter said, to leave the splendor of heaven, to come and dwell among us, to take our sin upon yourself. And thank you for giving us a way to remember. Thank you for the bread and the cup and the opportunities we have to let you cleanse us and make us whole. So heal our wounds, mend our brokenness, and lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. For it's in the strong name, your strong name, Jesus, that we pray.